Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm your host, Rob Younts, and thank you for tuning back into the KaneCast Show. If today's your first episode, we've got a good one for you. If you've been with us before, we appreciate you coming back. But either way, today's guest is no stranger to the Canes program. He is a Canes Central Director and the Canes 17 National Pitching Coach. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask you a favor. We really need your help in growing this show. First of all, smash that like button for us. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast host, give us a like. Two, drop us a comment. Let us know what you think, what you like, what you don't like about the show. Three, help us grow by subscribing. That lets others know that this show's legit. Four, show us some love with a review. Five, share it. Send this to your friends and enemies who are missing baseball right now. There are a lot of people that are itching for baseball, us being one of them. Today, we're talking with Jason Mills. He directs our Kane Central program and serves as pitching coach on our 17 national team. Listen to Coach Mills talk about the development of the Central teams, the recruiting process, and how our Central guys just get committed to schools. As always, he serves up great advice, so let's not hesitate and get to Coach Mills right now. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rob Younts and Jeff Petty here with another edition of Cast Show. Um, we have a really cool guest. He's one of my favorite people in all the world, not just in baseball. Um, he's the director of the Kane Central program, as well as the pitching coach on the 17U national team. So Jeff Petty knows him really well. I consider him a really good friend. Um, Jason Mills, how the heck are you this morning? Doing great. Glad to be yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> like to see that smiling face, buddy. Um, man, so crazy world we're living in. How are you guys holding up there uh, in Greenville? Uh, doing pretty good. I, you know, not being a big city or or near a big city, we're we're relatively few cases. So fortunate there. If we can just keep people from crowding into Walmart and Lowe's, we'll we'll be okay. But uh, uh, you know, everything's going well so far. Good. good to hear. Good, uh, good to hear the family's doing well. Jeff, how about you? How are those poopy diapers going, man? They're uh, steady and messy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing that neither of you have ever not been through. Right. right. Just the, you know, the stage that we're going through right now, man, being stuck in the house, I mean, it's an interesting stage for sure. Yeah. Uh, but Brooke is off on a four-mile bike ride with uh, Courtney right now. Very nice. Uh, Watson's walking with them in the stroller. And then the baby is right here. Snoozing yes. away. <laughs> yeah. Lucky. So, yeah, that's us Lucky. right now. Check back in in a couple hours. It'll be different. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, Millsy, man, you get a lot on your plate, buddy. You have a great high school program at D.H. Conley, um, and you are in charge of our central program. Tell us a little bit about – um, about our central program, because I'm not, I'm not sure a lot of people know exactly how we're set up and, and the importance of our central program. So our, our central program's based uh, pretty much in North Carolina. We do have a couple uh, Southern Virginia kids and a couple uh, Northern South Carolina kids that might uh, jump across the border with us. Uh, problem in North Carolina is it's just such a big state. I mean, it, it, people-wise, it's not enormous, but uh, distance-wise, it's enormous. From Asheville to Murphy uh, to Manio is about an 11-hour drive one way or the other. So uh, regionalizing teams inside the state and compartmentizing them are, is really important uh, to our our organization because uh, that way we don't have kids from Greenville traveling to Asheville every weekend to play and they can play with kids local. Um, you know, it, it's starting uh, at the young age groups, really important, our youth programs all the way into our 15 year olds. And then uh, it kind of whittles down into the who's who of, of uh, potential division one, division two, uh, division three JUCO type players at that 17 youth level. Um, you know, it's a, it's a competitive state. There's there's a lot of organizations here, but our central program has really shined over the past. Um, I think the last time, and you know, with the coaches we have set up in place, that that makes it really easy. We have some great coaches, uh, past and present, and 
those guys do a, a wonderful job and a great job putting together great talent in the in the state and then the kids do it and the parents do the rest and and we've got a good system here in North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's always uh, neat to see guys progress through our system. Um, you know, starting on a regional team and, and moving up to a, a you know a national level team. Um, so. On the eastern part of the state, you know, that's that's where you are. Uh, tell us a little bit about the baseball there, you know, how competitive, um, you know, some of the talent that's there and, and, and you know, you, you can even touch, I'll, I'll give you a, a few few seconds to touch on D.H. Connolly because I know, you know, you guys have had a lot of success there. So eastern side of North Carolina is kind of interesting because it's so rural. There's so many small schools. Um, we don't have but a few big schools, uh, J.H. Rose, Conley, South Central, and New Bern uh, are it east of 95 until you get to Wilmington. And so most of the schools are small. So, you know, they're not huge in talent. There's some really good quality programs, but they always have a pop-in player here or there. Um, it's it's kind of neat right now in, in this part or in Greenville alone, we have two kids that are on our 16U national team just, you know, within a couple miles of each other. Um, we're kind of going through that time right now with the Little League World Series groups coming through. Uh, I got about seven of them at my school, and, and they're a lot of fun and very talented. Um, if As you get going out of, out of eastern North Carolina, though, and you move into the Fayetteville, into the uh, Raleigh area and the Greensboro area, Winston-Salem, you get in Charlotte, of course, you get some massive schools. So um, the disparity in our schools, it's crazy. We have like 425 schools, public schools in the state, including charter. And the 4A level ranges from 1,600 all the way to 4,300. And mm. so I'm the smallest 4A school in the next realignment. Myers Park, uh, where Patty Alvarez went, they're going to be 4,300 kids. So that's who we're going to be competing against. And then you got Cardinal Gibbons, who's a private school, and there are about 4,000 kids, and we'll be competing with them. And then you, you look down into the smaller level schools, and there's just so many uh, schools, charter schools. I think there was like 56 charter schools in North Carolina now that uh, have athletic programs. So it's kind of bumping everybody up. But, uh, you know, it, it's a good range. Um, Eastern North Carolina, I mean, it's, it's those country boys who like to play baseball. I mean, that's the fun thing about it. Um, you know, so once in a while you got to go searching. You can go all the way up to Curry Tuck, and you can look up there, and you can find, you know, the Evan Volvas or the uh, Cannon Piquels, uh, those type of kids at a school that has a thousand kids at it, and all of a sudden they're pumping out D one one after another. So it's a, it's definitely a good area for baseball. Yeah, man, sounds like it. Um, tell us a little bit about what you you know your outlook for our uh, central teams this year. You know, I know we we put the rosters together and things like that. I've, you know, seen them on paper, and there's a lot of names I, I recognize there. Um, there's actually two kids that, that you know, play for us uh, or play, play for Greenbrier Christian that are dipping down and playing with the Central this year in uh, James McGrady and Ethan Ott, um, two really solid 20-21 uh, grads. But, uh, you know, I know those rosters are really stout. You know, what, what do you know about, about all those rosters and talking to your, uh, your Central coaches? Well, you know, the big thing is at the 17U level, we want to have those kids. Those are the kids that are, are the, at the time very important because we've got to get them an opportunity to play in college. Um, and so that group is, is uh, you know, a, a very important, very uh, – we've got to have good resources and good coaches helping them out um, and working their way. Hopefully, you know, playing this summer will be a big key – especially missing the high school season, that's going to be a huge, uh, huge time for these guys. And, and, you know, hopefully the training and the, the uh, mentorship and the program that our coaches have ready for them and the program has ready for them will help them uh, get to that next level that they want to get to. You know, our 16s, that's a, for me, looking at it, that's a big time when they have to, uh, they start that recruiting trail. Um, you know, whether they're committing or whether they're getting their names on the books or getting their names crossed off the books. That's an important time. And, you know, those 17 and 16-year-old levels are really important to, you know, get them ID'd. And then by the time they're 17 years old, uh, on that 17, you have a chance for them to have some schools making some offers or some schools showing some interest or making some visits. For me, at the 15 level, 
um, you know, in 16 and 17 as well, but at the 15 level, it's all about development of those kids. And that's why, you know, some of our best coaches are at that age group. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take some really good coaches like a Brian Tuck or a Bryson Massey and stick them down with that age group because, you know, we know they're developers and they're, they're teachers and, and they know how to get the best out of those kids. And, and at the same time can help them pick out um, weaknesses that they need to work on and, and give them a plan to how to fix that. And so our 15U is a little bit more spread out, a little bit more teams and, um, you know, and those eventually consolidate down as kids start, you know, finding their way in and out of the program. And then 16, we want to have a, a very strong nucleus and, and a base there, um, you know, and, and then, you know, it's tough decisions at 16U. A lot of kids are starting to make that decision, whether they're position players or pitchers or both. And, um, you know, and I know everybody wants to do both, but a lot of times I look at those guys that say, hey, I'm, I'm going to hang up the bat for the summer and just be a pitcher. And then they start focusing on that. All of a sudden they start propelling a whole bunch. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a sweet spot for me that uh, – I'm fortunate at my high school, I can carry 20 to 25 guys and I'll have six or seven pitcher onlys. And, you know, getting a 16 year old to understand, hey, you got to give up the bat for your future. is tough sometimes, but um, if you, you know, you can sell it out to those uh, individuals, it, it can be a great thing, a great asset for them that they can, uh, you know, have a bright future on the mound or, you know, maybe give up the mound and just become a hitter, you know, and start putting that towards that part too. Well, and I think, you know, and I know Jeff can, can attest to this, and is that I, th I think sometimes with guys that think they're two-way, um, you know, maybe he's really good on the mound and not so good with the bat. I think sometimes it muddies the water if they continue to be a two-way. You know, you're, you're really good here, but you're just okay here, and you may have a coach that comes out to see you one time, and he sees you're at bat, and that's his only impression of you. You know, you may hear about Jason Mills is a great player, great high school player, but we know Jason Mills was a much better pitcher than he was a hitter. Yeah, so, I could bunt so pretty well. <laughs> so, so, you know, college coach comes out to see you, and they, they may not have a lot of background on you. You know, they come out and see you as a hitter, and they're going, who's this Jason Mills kid? Why am I even coming out to watch him? You know, and then it could be a couple days later or at another time they hear, well, Jason Mills is a pitcher. Oh, okay, well, yeah, that, that, that makes sense because he wasn't very good at the, at the, uh, the, the plate. Problem is it takes a lot, of, uh, a lot of introspection, a lot of looking in the mirror, a lot of, you know, really understanding who you are as a player. You know, Jeff, we talk about it all the time with kids. Um, you know, how do, how do we help get that message across to, to players that, you know, go where your strengths are? I mean, I know there's, you know, for every – Every kid that we talk to about being a PO, there's a Jordan, you know, there's there's a Jordan Adele out of maybe one every one hundred or every one thousand or every one one hundred thousand. Um, how do we, you know, how how I guess how do we get to that point where we can where we can have that conversation? Oh, you know, I, the best thing to do is just be honest, and um, you get you got to be brutally honest and lay it out there and. That's always the safest way to, to handle it. I mean, we had Grant Holmes, you know, years ago, and he wanted to hit. I remember meeting with him. He wanted to come on, but he's like, I want to hit. I want to hit. I'm like, we're going to let you hit. We're going we're to let you swing the bat. But then it just got – and Grant was a fine high school hitter, but he was a first-round pitcher, you know. And it's like, hey, man, is this really worth running you out to right field and maybe you get hurt. And I think he started to grasp that, and then the hitting kind of dwindled down with him. It's when you're on a team with a bunch of college-level players, position players, and there's, let's say there's 13 guys on the central team, and they're all college-level players, and then you're a college-level pitcher, you know, whatever level, but you're the eight-hitter for a high school team. Well, you can help your high school team in that role, but on this college-laden prospect travel team that you're on, you don't fit into that as a hitter. And the best thing that you can do is 
communicate that as the coach. And a lot of these, you know, people, these parents and players, they don't want to hear that. But I think we just, for us as an organization, we just be honest, put it out there. Don't tell the kids that we're going to do X, Y, Z, and then do something different. And then you're, you're safe. And if they want to go play somewhere else, the problem with that is, is and I'm not pointing anyone out, but other organizations a lot of times will tell them what they want to hear and then do what we were going to do anyways. The difference was we told them up front we were going to do it. Yeah, it's a absolutely. really difficult question that you asked me, Rob. It is. I don't, it, I don't it know really what is, but, but you got it right, Jeff, because I think what, you know, the way our organization is based and, and what I was getting at was that you do tell them the truth. You be honest and up front, it's, and it's not an easy conversation. I've had it had it with several kids, um, as have you and as has Millsy. But the key is having a good coach in place, which our central program do, our central program, all of our, our levels do. Um, being able to have that trust and respect of the coach and then being able to go and tell the player very honestly and very frankly and being up front with it. And I think, you know, and the best part was that wasn't scripted whatsoever, but that's exactly the answer I wanted out of you because, and I knew it was coming because that's how we handle things. That's how it's always come from it, you. It's tough sometimes. Like, for it instance, is. we have seven outfielders on our roster this summer on our national team. I have never had more than five, ever. I don't like carrying more than four, but it worked out that way. Um, two of them are going to play first base a lot. We actually, I strategically didn't go get a first baseman because Ryan Clifford and Nick McClain are two really good first basemen and they can both bang it. But yeah. I need to put them in the outfield too. But I know every day when we go to the ballpark, either Clifford or McClain is going to be at first base. So it kind of shrinks it down. And you can D-H-E-H and get creative and extra hitter and all that. But seven outfielders is a lot. So I, what I had to do is I had to call every outfielder on my roster and say, don't freak out. We're going to try to figure this thing out. Um, but I could have totally sandbagged and just not told any of them, right? Right. I just – we don't operate that way. No, we don't. And, you know, it's 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 – the importance of, of what you just said is it comes from the top down. And, and you know, I know, you know, Jason, you and – I don't even feel comfortable calling you Jason. Millsy, you, <laughs> you and Jeff, Never you know, you, you were – <laughs> <Never. laughs> Let's not get too formal here. Let's, yeah, yeah, Millsy. So, <laughs> I know you and Jeff are great friends, and, and I know the way that you operate um, – and in a circular way, that's kind of what, you know, I wanted everybody to hear is that, you know, that's, that's the same way you run the, the central, uh, our central program is the same way. You're being frank and open and honest and, and laying the cards out on the table and, and, and helping the kids, you know, come to the realization, A, you're, you're PO or you're, you know, you're not a pitcher. Um, you know, those, those conversations aren't easy. You know, you guys, that, that's the importance of having great coaches as well. Yeah, and, I think, and I think that's one thing that sometimes gets lost because when people look at the Canes, they see our national and American teams and, and things like that. But where we make the most impact is on our regional level teams. Because, you know, last year we got 150 kids in the 2020 class committed. That's not all on the national team. God, that's no. Through, that's through great, you know, great – parts of our program like our central program. I mean, the year, the year before I joined uh, Jeff with the national group, uh, Daniel Coles and I had a, a central team. And out of the 18 kids on our roster, 17 of them ended up playing Division One baseball. Um, and the one who didn't ended up playing football in college. So, you know, he's still a, a college athlete. And, you know, that's where the uh, people don't realize it. They, they look sometimes, I think, uh, and they see national or American, and they they don't make one of those teams because it's those are really tough teams to make um, for anybody. Uh, and then they say, "Oh, well, so has a national team," and they go there, and it's just kids from North Carolina. It's not really a national. Oh, no, it's right. our team. And 
you know, I have a I have a guy at Conley right now. I won't say his name because I don't want to put him on the spot, but he's um, he's really changed. He's gone from being like six foot, hundred and seventy pounds, to being like six four, two fifteen, and velocity's gone from like eighty two to being eighty seven, eighty nine, and heavy and just he's a dude. And he left. You know, he left you know, after last summer because he, you know, wasn't advancing and moving up and everything else and joined another quote unquote national team. And, you know, about three weeks ago called me up and was like, Hey, uh, you guys got any room back on that central team? And I'm like, well, I can find, I mean, he can swing a bit. And I'm like, yeah, I think, you know, I think we can do something here. You know, I, so he's really, really, we were just talking about, he's a division one pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's going to help you win high school games as a hitter, but he's not a Division One hitter, right? But he's a bit, but he's going to be a dude on the bump, and man, he's and, big as a dude frame. It's crazy how how much his body's changed. It's it's a miracle what the weight room will do for a kid when he when he finally. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, he got with the. A former football player at East Carolina that was a good friend of mine named Mark Washington and started training at 5.30 in the morning every day before school. And it's just in in nine months how much mass he has put on. And it's not, you know, football lifting. I mean, Mark gets it. And so um, I, I, it's fun because now I can look at the other kids and they look at him as saying, okay, well, he was just an average guy last year as a sophomore and all of a sudden he's blossomed. And I just look at him, hey, 5.30 in the morning, get in the weight room. Okay. Well, you want it, right? That's right. If you, if you want to get to that next level, you've got to do the work to get there. Um, you know, it, Cliff Godwin ain't going to take anybody that doesn't like the weight room at East Carolina. You know, he's, he wants guys that are, are blue-collar workers, love the weight room, willing to listen and get better. You know, and, and so with every Division one school, they all that, – that's the way it's gone. Not back like when I played when you could be 150 pounds and five foot nine and 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 yes and, and not love the weight. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly right. You know that, that's that's such a great story because that is a lot of our regional guys. Um, you know James and Ethan. Uh, James O'Grady is a is a great example. You know last year um, broke his broke his. Uh, Broke his forearm playing football, was really trying to put on weight, didn't do it. This winter, you know, he healed up. Um, doctor cleared him. He lifted really heavy, put on, you know, 10, 15 good pounds, and is now swinging it really well. And, his, you know, he's physically matured some as well. So now he's got the arm to play left side of the infield. You know, hands are there. It'll be neat to watch him this summer because um, – and those stories happen a lot because guys mature at different rates. You know, might not be – you know, there's a lot of guys that and, – and actually got one coming out here. You'll like this. Brandon – we were talking about Brandon Lau. Um, interviewed him, and we talked about this. Is You know, back when he was, a, you know, in, in high school, 5'7", 140, you know, he wasn't that big. Um, you know, now he's hitting balls in the upper deck at the trop. I mean, it, it's, it's insane the way that, that, that the weight room, um, maturing, physically maturing – um, really helps a guy, and our regional teams are filled with those types of guys, and that's why we get so many guys committed. A lot of people don't understand that. Um, our regional teams, um, I've seen it, uh, beat the brakes off quite a few uh, national teams. You know, it's it's crazy because you think, I mean, I can't say another organization in the country has ever had their regional team play their national team in a national championship or uh, their national team play their their regional team in a final four of Atlanta um, or their, you know, or their regional team year in, year out, win their brackets or win their pools at, uh, at, uh... okay. Anywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, did you, did you die? <laughs> no, my wife uh, just popped in. Say hello. Hey. What up? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that that's the thing people don't realize about that's different about our regional programs, whether yeah. it be North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, um, you know, and now this Texas group is going to make a lot of noise. Our Florida group, I mean, constantly, yeah. you know, so if, if the kids would just 
sit there and, and take a, a look in the mirror, like you said, and just say, you know, this is where I'm meant to be. These guys are going to do, do great things for me. Um, you know, we've had kids that have been on our national team, you know, and they, they drop back down to regional team and, and blossom down there. Um, so it, it's not a, a slap in the face. It's, it, it's trust the process. And if, if a parent and a player will trust what we're doing, I mean, the guys that run our organization know what they're doing. I mean, you know, between Jeff and Dan and, and everybody else, they, those guys have put thousand plus kids into college and, you know, probably over 500 kids into pro ball. And it just, it's crazy to see what the organization has done. I remember this organization when it first started back in 2005, Jeff, six, I, I remember it. And, and to where it's come uh, in that time, if these parents would just, if they could see what I've seen over the last, you know, 15, 16 years about what this organization does compared to everybody else, um, I think those regional players would say, yeah, th this is where I need to be. And this is, this is my best spot. Um, you know, I don't want to be the number nine pitcher on the, the national team. I want to be the number one on the regional team and, and pitching that, that uh, opportunity. And then, you, you know, if that happens, you get a kid like Cade Poole who goes, Hey, I'm on a, a 16 U Charlotte Canes team, a regional team in North Carolina. And, you know, I, I Millsy pops in and sees me and he likes me. And then all of a sudden I get, you know, promoted, you know, or not promoted. I get put a place on the American team the next year. And then after, you know, Jeff and I get to see the kid, what, four or five times last summer and coach Willoughby and uh, coach Tomlin and, and Zemf, uh, you know, speak his praise. All of a sudden that kid becomes, you know, the number one guy in the bullpen for us. Um, and, you know, he threw two games and then, uh, this year before the season got ended and, and perfect game uh, Weddington, which is one of the top teams in the state. So that, that process of, of trusting us and, and going through it, I mean, will pay dividends for these kids. And well, I, th I think you mentioned something too that, that most organizations don't do, you know, with their regional teams is, you know, you and Jeff or, and, and Dan and, and everybody in our organization that are responsible for, you know, putting rosters together, still checking in with kids. You know, it's not just, hey, let's uh, let's put him on a roster and we won't see him again for a while. You know, you're going out there and checking on these kids and and getting feedback from your you know from your coaches of, hey, this guy's a guy, and and, and you get back out to see guys and check on their process or check on their progress. Excuse me. You don't um, you don't just you know throw them on a roster and say, all right, see you later, peace out. Um, you know, you're looking to help them get better, which I, I, I think is an important point that, that needs to be made. Um, you know, that, and that's, an, that's, that's, you know, kudos to you for doing that and making sure that, you know, you're looking after all the guys in, in the central program. And it, it helps to have the staff that we do and the support system we do through there. Um, you know, we try, the one thing I can say about our program is that, um, you know, we do have an occasional parent that, that is a, a professional coach or a high school coach that will, will work, but most of our guys, um, they don't have any, any bias or any ties into it. It's, it's this is what they love to do, and, and they're, you know, into that. And so these guys can uh, keep us all in, in communication and say, these guys are doing really well, these guys aren't doing well, and, you know, and, and – Brian Tuck and I are very close and, you know, he's my middle guy, the guy in the central part of the state for me. And um, he and I will talk about if guys are struggling. Okay, well, what do we got to do to help this kid? Now he's got it. We know what he can do. We've seen it. So now what do we do? Um, and, and, you know, the honesty that Jeff talked about earlier is important. You know, um, if the kid is, is struggling, then we've, we've got to be honest with him and, and help him get to the point where he, he expects to be at or wants to be at. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Brian Tuck there. Um, I just need to give him a shout out because he was my roomie in uh, Jupiter. And uh, I bet you up? there was some snoring in that room. No, well, he was awful. He was bad. I, I don't know. He I, is bad. I didn't, I didn't snore. So I didn't. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you again. You you guys are both on the uh, the the seventeen national um, staff there. 
Um, I think what happens a lot of times is kids compare their recruiting timeline. Let's say a regional guy, a guy in the central, compares their timeline to, you know, a national guy who maybe got all, you know, you're pitching guys, so let's talk arms. You know, those guys um, typically on the national team have been throwing upper 80s, low 90s, probably for a year or two before they get to you guys. So they've got their, – their timeline was a little bit more accelerated. Um, what is a reasonable timeline um, or, or I guess what, what kind of advice do you give to parents that are entering the central program as far as a recruiting timeline? Well, it, every, everybody's, you know, different, you know, Rob. It, it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I might bring a left-hander in that's 80 miles an hour as a freshman, you know, Mackenzie Gore. I mean, who would have thought he was going to be what he was when he walked out of there? We knew he was talented as a freshman. But, you know, for me, it's that, that process that, hey, when you are below 85, we want to gain four miles an hour every year that you're here. So if you're 77 as a freshman, we want to see you 81 as a sophomore, 85 as a junior. And then once you hit that 85, we all know it's, it's ticky-tack getting up every notch after that. So if we can maybe get two to three more, you know, in going into your senior year, then we, we did what we accomplished. I mean, I don't think it's possible for every human being to throw 90 miles an hour, but I think it is possible for everybody to continue to make that adjustment up to about an 85 before their body's going to dictate what they can and can't do. And then at that point, it's about how much work they want to do. I mean, I, you know, we had, I got a chance to see Junior Harding pitch. He wasn't Jeff 5'9 and threw 94. I mean, so, you know, size isn't the thing. The weight room, um, you know, taking care of your body, uh, uh, taking care of your arm, being smart about, you know, how you use it during the spring, uh, how you use it during the fall, how you do use it during the summer. All those things are, are good. But, you know, getting back to it again, for me, the timeline in it is going to change. I mean, if you're a Matthew Mateus, uh, shout out to Maddie for me, you know, it's your before you even step foot your freshman year. He goes to camp up at Carolina. He's, you know, 86 to 90 miles an hour as a 14-year-old. A no-brainer, you know. But then uh, we have a guy like a Philip Sanderson um, who – he starts out and he's like 73 as a freshman, 74, but he throws strikes and can spin it a little bit. And, you know, he's like 80, 81 as a, as a junior. And so he's making that progression. And then he gets with Guy Civitello that summer. And I can't even remember who Guy's pitching. Oh, uh, Sebastian Nasbel. And they get together and, and all of a sudden he goes from that 82 to the 87, 88 range. And the next thing you know, the kid's going to Louisville. Um, so, you know, everybody's a little bit different, and not panicking is important. Um, not being in a rush that you go, school A offered me today, I've got to take it right off the bat. Well, you know, I, I'm dealing with this with, with my daughter as well. If they don't have what you want to study, the chances of you making a, a viable living off playing baseball is, is slim to none. So you've got to pick a place education-wise that's going to be important, as well as the baseball, as well as your social life. I've I mean, we all know numerous kids that have gone to colleges and just been like, you know, baseball's fine, school's fine, but I hate it here, coach. You know, and so we, they've got to, all those things got to work in. And if they jump at the first opportunity, unless it's, you know, like with Maddie, he, I mean, he, he's blue-blooded. I mean, he has that Carolina blue, um, you know, and I try to get him to wait, but that's where he wanted to go. I wanted to, him to, to get out. I knew he wanted to stay in state. Um, but, it, you know, in East Carolina or a state or a Wilmington or so might have been a good option, but that's what he wanted. And so sure. he knew it at that point. Whereas I had another guy that went to Carolina named Alex White back in 06, and, and he waited okay. until – yeah, he was okay. He, he waited till September 15th of his senior year before he committed, and the kid was a first-rounder. I mean, you know, everybody's on that different timeline. And um, I think it when it's – you know the decision's – the right one, you'll know it at the time. And, and the last thing I will give um, this one thing for parents, once you make that commitment, stick with that commitment. Don't ever look back and second guess that commitment. You made the right decision for you and your family. You might get somewhere, you might get to North Carolina and play for Coach Fox that first year, and it's the toughest thing you've ever done in your life. 
and you'll say, man, I hate it here, hate it here, hate it here. But your sophomore year, you'll be glad you stuck it out because Coach Fox is one of the best in the country and, and his staff and Forbes or, you know, Avent or whoever it is. I can't be biased in North Carolina because there's so many good coaches Woodard at it at yeah. uh, Charlotte. Um, and if you'll just stick the process and you'll, you'll um, have faith in it, but don't ever look back and say, I made a bad decision. Once you make the decision, stay with that. Absolutely. I think it's great advice. And it's, it's easy to see why our central program is so successful. Um, you know, coming down from, from the top of, of um, you know, the, the processes and the, the, the direction, but also surrounding yourself with great coaches and then filling in those rosters with great players. So let's switch gears a little bit. You two know each other pretty well, and I haven't uh, poisoned this well at all. Um, Jeff, I'll give you first crack. How is it coaching with Jason Mills? <laughs> um, this is G-rated, remember? That's no, right. yeah. no, I mean, quite honestly, I love it. It's uh, I couldn't see myself coaching with anybody else. It's uh, I'd go to war with that guy any day. I mean, I think that I've had very – I mean, everyone's competitive in our program. We're, we're blessed with that for sure. I think I'm as competitive as, as it gets, and Jason and I are pretty parallel there. He he wants to win at all I – mean, not at all costs, just because we also share the same viewpoints on taking care of players. Uh, we've – I mean, God knows how many millions, hundreds of millions of dollars we've handled in the draft with, with arms. And we've done that. With, with really little to no conflict as far as the safety, safety's first. But we, we do a good job communicating, setting up, you know, how we want to attack games, our bullpen, um, and when to, when to make changes. And, and a lot of people struggle with that. Uh, you know, I look at our national championship run we had, well, we had so many this year. I mean, this past year was, was, was crazy. I mean, we, I think we went 40 and two or something. It was just wild. Um, we, we've been on the, we've had a lot of success together. Uh, we, we get, we get into it together. We get into it, but not, not out in the open. Um, we have disagreements here and there because we're both passionate, but. And it's not personal when you guys have, the, I've, I've, I've seen them and I've been a part of it and, and it's not a personal thing. It's just a difference no. in, in perspective and things like that. So I'm just sure. Make sure that was clear. No. Yeah. It's definitely not personal. I mean, we all, I love him to death. I love him like a brother. I mean, I, I, he's he's the best, and he is a really good coach. Um, man, he he knows how to call a game. He knows how to develop arms. Of course, we're not developing arms, really. I mean, he will he will get in the pen with a guy. I'll give him some credit. He'll get in the pen with a guy with some elite arm speed, and maybe they didn't know how to throw a slider or something. And he'll tinker with them, and then the next thing you know, the kids got it. Because we get elite level athletes sometimes that don't have, you know, they don't come from a lot of coaching or whatever. And then we get a ton that do. Um, but he knows how to call a game, knows how to manage our staff. Um, it's really just a, it's been a blessing for sure. Absolutely. So Jason, let, Jason, let's turn that around. How's it coaching with El Jefe? Oh, unbelievable. I mean. He gives me the coolest toys in the country to play with every year. <laughs> How are you going to be upset about that? I mean, um, you know, it, it's uh, – I have I was worked for other organizations and, and started with probably back in 97 doing showcase baseball. And uh, before it was showcase baseball, it was just, you know, fall league at that point. And, um, you know, the, the organization that, that he brings to the table that – I mean, the detailed has made me a better coach at my high school, has made me pay attention to things that I shouldn't have been kind of overlooking that I, I pay attention to now. And, you know, the, the freedom he gives me to, to work, uh, I love. I, I mean, I would never coach with anybody else. It's just I, I have to have, you know, freedom if I'm going to do my job as a pitching coach. And he has confidence in me. I have other assets. I have uh, – uh, Greg Connors as well, who's who's helpful. Uh, Josh Wright, our strength coach, is probably the best I've ever been around. I mean, my kids' arms or our kids' arms are 
are manicured and taken well. I mean, what he has brought to the table and, and you know, Jeff bringing him in has, has really improved our program. And, you know, the one thing I will say is that when you carry as many pitchers as we do, and I'll explain that in a second, is that um, you've got to keep those kids invested at all times. Well, if a kid throws the first game of a tournament and he knows he's done, I mean, now is he going to check out? Is he going to be a distraction for you the rest of the time? And our kids don't. And and it's because of our staff. It's because of Jeff. It's because of, of the rules he sets and the, the standards he sets for our program. And, and I love working for that uh, or with that. And so, you know, the second thing that I'll say is that he and I carry a lot of pitchers because, you know, I've watched – I talked to one PG All-American. He threw – 80 innings during the spring, okay, at his high school. Hey, at a good high school, you're going to probably do that with as many rounds of playoffs. He had already thrown 67 innings more and this summer. And, you know, he had come over and uh, introduced himself and was looking to maybe change positions or change teams. And I went back and checked his inning total. I'm like, dude, you need to you either stay with the club you're at, but you're not coming with us. The, the safety issue, we don't want you to get hurt on our watch. Um, and, you know, we're so good about that. I mean, a Mackenzie Gore, when he came out of his high school program after winning state championship his junior year, we knew how many innings we had. And so we have a – Jeff and I will talk and we'll say, hey, before the game, um, you got Max Carlson going today. You got him for 60 pitches. That's what his limit is today. And, and, and we know that's what it is. And so when we get to that 40, we have someone stirring. You know, Max is out there throwing a – uh, a great game, giving up one hit through four innings against a great team, and we're getting to that total. And he and he wants to keep going, but that's where Jeff does a great job, and and he's an adult, and he's thinking not about today, but he's thinking about tomorrow and the future for these kids. Uh, and then he also has five more of Max Carlson sitting right behind him. So when you well, the thing is, is you know, and back to the honesty thing, and not everybody does their business this way, and I always like knowing where I stood, and maybe this is the wrong way. So we'll have Carlson for 60. And then me and Mills, a lot of times this would just be a coach, pitching coach to head coach conversation. So it'd be, we have our A's. And our A's, we got maybe five A's on the board. And they're on the board. That's they're coming in the game if it's tied or we're up one or two or we're down one or two. Then you got your B's. We're up three runs. Or you got your C's. We're up six, seven runs. Our players know where they're at. Like you're a C because you don't throw a lot of strikes, bud. You're a B because you throw strikes, but you're not as good as an A and you get hit. You, you, you give up too much contact, you're a B. You're going to come so out good secondary, as good as secondary stuff. Right. You're, exactly. You're, you're, no, B is all relative. The kid's really good. Correct. Absolutely. He's, right. He's just – he's not Max Carlson. Max Carlson's an A. Jason Savickle's an A. Caden Grice is an A. I'm going – I'm talking about guys last, last summer. Last year, guys. Yeah, These are yeah. guys that – they've got three pitches. They don't give up hard contact. They have a lot of strikeouts, early contact, not a lot of three-ball counts. Hell, not a lot of two-ball counts, really. Yeah. Those are our A's. And we looked up last year. This is hilarious. We're in Phoenix last year. We went into the playoffs with, like, nine A's. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Cade Kuehler. I mean, that guy was an A. He was an right. A. He yeah, threw, right. threw, threw, threw three pitches for strikes. I mean, he might not have been 95, but who cares? And you know what? Like, he beat the bottom of the zone up. You What's know, crazy about it is in the semifinal game, we ran a guy that we thought was a C because he had been struggling, and he goes out there and throws a no-hit no ball for four innings and, right. and in the fifth inning runs out of gas. But he's 90-92 with a good slider uh -huh. and did a great job for us. And, you know, and that's, that's the great thing about our, our organization is that we don't have to stretch our guys to, to the limit where we're putting them in danger. We always have plans. And, uh, you know, and we, we can always work with, with what we have and, and do a great job. Now, you know, Jeff and I, we get heated at some times, and, and he's right, we, we do. And it, it's great because as an assistant coach, my job is to challenge my head coach 
thought process, not like challenge him for power or anything like that, but challenge his thought process and get him different ideas. And sometimes, you know, he doesn't like my ideas. And when he doesn't like them, I'm good with that. That's great. You know, that that's awesome. Sometimes I do have a good idea or Greg will have a, good have a idea. lot of good ideas. I mean, you know, so that's the, the thing is that as an assistant coach, and I, and I really honestly believe this, a good assistant coach, one is going to be loyal to the end of the year. And I will always be loyal to Jeff forever. Um, and the second thing is that, hey, good pick right there. Uh, the second thing is is that when a good assistant also recognizes that it, when the head coach doesn't agree with him, that it's not personal. I mean, it's it's hard. But we've all all three of us have been head coaches. It's hard being a head coach, and it's hard when you have five different people giving you ideas that are different and then you pick one and the other four people have other to be four. grown up. Yeah, they right. have to be grown ups. I mean you can't yeah. be can't be butthurt about it. You gotta you gotta say, hey, he didn't go with this and this is what we're going with. Um, you know, we've we've had times before where Jeff has made a decision with a, a who he wanted to throw in a game and I didn't agree with it. And when we went to it, we we went after it. And you know, more times than not, I'd say ninety five percent of the time Jeff was always right. And, and that's why he, he'll always have my confidence. I mean, always have my um, – you know, I like getting underneath his skin sometimes. I do a good job of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, bus rides are, are the best. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's probably – I couldn't imagine any staff that has more fun than what we have um, or the kids – the experience that our kids have being together like they are. Um, I know everybody talks about their brothers and everything else, but I mean, a lot of travel teams like the ones I've been on before uh, I joined the Canes, they, you know, they show up at the field, they play, and then they go home with their parents, you know, but there's, there's something, you know, where even when I was with the Charlotte Canes or the other Canes or the Central Canes, we, you know, our parents were going out to dinner you know, the players were together. Um, you know, most of the time our players stay at the same hotels. And, you know, it's uh, a really good family system that we have. And, and you know, it, it started with Jeff. I, I, I saw it in 2005, and then I saw it in 2009, and then I didn't really get a chance to see Jeff for a couple, you know, about two years in there. But, you know, I kind of from afar saw it, and it's just this, this family atmosphere this professional atmosphere, this growth atmosphere that he he has grown uh, over the last 15, 16 years is, is just, you know, if I had a son that played baseball, this is, you know, and, and the idea that he wanted to be in college, this is where I'd want to be. I, I agree. And my point of, of doing that is I heard exactly what I wanted to hear. You know, the, the level of love and trust and respect that goes both ways um, and, and the, the freedom that, that you have, Millsy, to, to really do things inside of your arena trickles down to, and, and is pervasive in the central program as well. You know, you get that tr level of trust and that, that level of respect from Jeff. Well, as you're hiring your coaches in that central program, same thing happens. Um, you know, you're getting, making sure you've got the best guys for the job and just the, the the neat part is is sitting back listening to this um just the way your your voice has changed a little bit when you talked about each other just details the, the level of respect that you guys have for each other and, and it's really neat to see because you know uh, a lot of organizations i see are very transactional you know we got a player it's cool it, it comes from relationships inside the canes and we talk about it all the time being a family and, and, and caring for one another and you know you 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 tied it up very well at the end there um, about, you know, kids hanging out together and going together. That's really the, the, the organization that, that Jeff has, and, and the mindset that Jeff has, has surrounded himself with, guys that, that believe in that and that want that um, for our organization. So, you know, it's not just um, one team here or another team here. It's really throughout the organization. And it's something that um, – you know, you've done a great job of building out the central, um, but you've been given the tools and the, uh, the, the the range to be able to do that. So, um, 
you know, it's neat. It's neat to hear you guys talk about each other because I'm just used to the Snapchats. And stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all good, man. We're hoping to get back to that field, man. I know, yeah. right? I know, it's good to have time. It is. It is. Um, you know, it's it's. I'll never take another day for granted. I'll never take another. No. Day. no. I won't. No, I I agree. I agree. So a wake up call. Yeah, right. Um, you know, Milsey, it's been it's been awesome talking to you. Um, I appreciate your candor. Um, you know, again, you're a friend. You're you're um, you're, you're a friend of, of of mine and and of Jeff's. Obviously, um, I don't get to see you nearly as much, um, but uh, the love is still there. And um, you know, hope you're glad to hear your family's doing well. Hope your mom's doing well. Um, love all of you guys very much, and um, man, it's been, I, I heard been awesome it. Did to you hear that? No, I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. Hey, we've been talking to you guys throw it in there, man. <laughs> we've, been, we've been talking to Jason Mills, the director uh, of our central program with the Canes. If you are in North Carolina or Southern Virginia, or even we can pull some guys from South Carolina. Give Jason a call. Um, we will put his contact information in the show notes. Um, follow him on social media. He is an awesome guy, a great pitching mind, and just an overall, just a great dude. So, Millsy, thanks for everything, buddy. And, oh, uh, man, it was fun. Yeah, buddy. I'll talk thanks. to you soon. You're thanks, the man. Millsy. See you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Big shout out to Coach Mills for being with us. Go give him a follow on all social media channels at DHC Baseball. If you enjoyed this episode, like, comment, subscribe, review, and share. Give us a follow on social media at Canecast Show. You can reach out to me on all social channels at Rob Younce or email me directly at robyounce at gmail.com. You can find Jeff Petty on all social media channels at WJeffPetty. We welcome your feedback as we look to improve the show every single time out. Until our next episode, stay safe, wash your hands, and find a travel program that works for you without you having to request it.